and 19, Psalm 119 tonight. I don't know if I've mentioned this lately, but there's some sign-up sheets in the foyer um, that if you've not signed up yet, make sure that you get signed up for the Fall Festival. And uh, again, appreciate your help uh, uh, with um, those, uh, those things. Uh, looking forward uh, to uh, a great time together. Uh, verse number nine, wherewithal? Shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Heavenly Father, we love you. We do thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. And I pray tonight that you would speak to our hearts like we know only you can, Lord, and I pray that you would uh, uh, make a change and help us uh, to be able to make a difference uh, uh, in this world. Well, thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So we're talking about uh, this morning uh, the idea of uh, living in holiness, living in uh, godliness in this present world. Is it possible? Yes, it is possible to live holy and righteously in this world. One thing I've learned uh, through the years, through experience and through the Word of God, that God never asks you to do anything that He's not willing to give you the power to accomplish. So God doesn't say, hey, uh, I want you to do this, and then says, good luck. Uh, God always gives us the tools he gives us the spiritual gifts. He gives us um, uh, the things that we need to accomplish that which He has called us to do. And so, how are, are we to be holy in this present uh, world? By taking heed to God's Word. So, understand the connection between God's Word and our practical holiness, our day-by-day living for the Lord. And how do we do that? Number one, we talked about it this morning, kind of centered our discussion on the fact that we need to prepare the heart. We need to prepare the heart. So we need to be ready uh, according uh, to our emotions, intellect, and will. The whole you, who you are. You see, when the Bible talks about the heart, you got to understand when the Bible talks about a heart, it's not talking about, uh, talking about the heart medically, right? It's not talking about the heart that pumps blood through your, uh, through your body. He's talking about the heart. He's talking about who you are. You see, man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart, right? God sees the inside. God sees the real you. That's what the heart is. The heart is uh, the emotions, the intellect, the will. Uh, we are a tripartite being, and, and God, God sees the whole us. And now, we can only see the, the things that manifest themselves on the outside. We can see when each other get angry. We can see when each other get bitter. We can see each other get glad. We can see, we can see all these things. But God sees uh, um, when we're putting on a facade. And it looks like we're glad, but down, deep down we're upset or we're angry or we're bitter or whatever it is that we're facing. Uh, God sees the real us. So what do we need to do? We need to prepare the heart. We need to prepare the heart. We need to make sure uh, that we are uh, battle ready. 
You know, the Bible talks about it in Ephesians chapter number 6, being ready, right? Uh, being ready for the world, uh, being ready for the flesh, uh, being ready for the devil, uh, so that we uh, are prepared. And there's, there's nothing worse. When, when, I, when, I, when I go and we go somewhere and, and um, on vacation or we're out of town or we go to a meeting or go to a conference or something and, and, and sit down and, and listen to a pastor who hasn't looked at their notes one time, who might not even have any notes, who have not prepared at all uh, when it comes to the Word of God. And you can tell it actually uh, comes out in uh, their preaching. I remember years and years ago, um, I, was on, um, I was on airport duty. Uh, what does that mean? For this ministry that I was kind of a part of, uh, I would go pick the preachers up from the airport. Well, I volunteered for it because I thought I was a young, young, I wasn't even a pastor yet, and I was uh, uh, young in the faith, and I was so excited to go pick up these preachers and get them, I'd have them for about 45 minutes in the van, just me and them, and I could pick their brain from the airport all the way to the, to the church or all the way to the, uh, uh, to the um, hotel and uh, just ask them a bunch of questions, and, and I remember getting this one Pretty well-known preacher, and uh, some of you probably would know his name if I, if I called it out. And, and uh, I remember being so excited, and he got in the car, and he, and, uh, he got in the van, and, and uh, I started just peppering him with questions uh, about how do, you, how do you prepare for your Sunday sermons? How, you know, what, how long does it take you to write one of your sermons? How long... And, and after about the fourth or fifth questions, I guess I was probably asking him questions, and not even giving him time to answer the first question before I started asking the second question. And uh, he finally said, okay, hold on. He said, let me explain something to you. I'm probably not the one to ask questions to. I was like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Maybe you're quiet, you know, maybe he's quiet or whatever. He didn't like to talk. Or, and uh, he said, because just to be honest with you, I have no idea what I'm preaching until Saturday night or Sunday morning. He said, and then I very rarely write anything down. I just get up in the pulpit and I open up the Word of God wherever. And, and I thought to myself, I, from then till, till we got to the I didn't, I didn't open my mouth one more time. You know, I thought in my brain, because I was kind of cynical at the time and, 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 and judgmental at the time, but I thought to myself, I don't want to hear anything you have to say. <laughs> I mean, you don't prepare at all for your sermons. I mean, you don't even how you know, and I know there is, you know, preaching extemporaneously, and I get that, and, and, and some people do that, and sometimes I'll preach, and, and, and you'll, if you looked at my notes, you'd be thinking, where in the world did he get all that from? I mean, it's not even in his notes. It's not even anywhere near close to what he's saying. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you have no idea because you never opened your Bible. You never wrote down a note. You never prayed. You never did anything. You never prepared. You know, I talk about coming to church, right? You know, the preacher should be prepared when he comes to church. The Sunday school teacher should be prepared when he comes to church. The children's ministry should be prepared when they come to church. Do we agree with that? We should all agree with that, right? But you know, everybody sitting in the pew should be prepared when they come to church. Do you realize that? Did you realize that you could be prepared? Do you know when you come to church, before you ever walk through those doors, you should have already prayed the prayer, Lord, speak to my heart. 
Lord, reveal to me the things that I've not been doing that I should be doing and the things that I shouldn't be doing. Uh, uh, reveal to me those things so I don't do them anymore. God, God, help me to realize if there's something between me and you. Help me to realize if there's something between me and my brother. You know, you should be able to pray that prayer and be prepared when you come to church. Do you know how many people sit in pews across the United States of America? They come week in and week out and they know nothing about the Bible. Everything they know about the Bible is what the preacher told them what their Sunday school teacher told them. Let me tell you something. We all know this and understand this, right? Man can be wrong. Sunday school teacher can be wrong. Preacher can be wrong. People can be wrong. But God's never wrong. That's why before you ever come to church, you ought to, you ought to read God's Word. You ought to study God's Word. You ought to prepare your heart. Now, you don't always know what the preacher is going to be preaching, but, but you can prepare your heart uh, by reading God's Word. And I don't know about you, I've done this on multiple occasions. A preacher will get up and preach it, and he'll start saying something, and I'll think to myself, whoa, wait a minute. Something ain't right about that. That ever happened to you? Like a little alarm goes off, you may not be able to go right to the chapter or right to the book. You may not even be able to go to the actual book of the, of the Bible. But you know something he saying is not so. Why? Because you've prepared. You know that the Bible says this, and if he's saying this, and wait a minute, and he's not giving me any verses, then I'm going to go back on what I've already learned from the Bible. That's preparation. And all of God's people need to be prepared when you get up in the morning. Do you know there should be a, a certain amount of time that you spend with God in the mornings? Now, it all looks different. Listen to me. It all looks different to people. Some people are morning people. They like to get up in the morning. Let me tell you something. I, I wish morning would just go away. It would be like night all the time. I hate the morning. I mean, I can't stand it. I like to stay up at night. I like to stay up late, late, late at night. Matter of fact, I don't usually go to bed until it's morning. And then you turn around and the alarm goes off and you're like, good night. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. How many times do you, do you have a little thing on your alarm where you can just, it's called snooze. Snooze. Mine's eight minutes long. Snooze. 16 minutes, snooze. I mean, I just, you know, I, snooze, snooze, snooze. Uh, I, I can't stand getting up in the morning. So for some people, 4 o'clock in the morning, goodness gracious, I, I, I just, my dad, my dad forever, for as long as I can remember, always got up at 4 a.m. Now, he went to bed at 8 p.m., mind you. But, I mean, I hadn't even eaten supper yet at 8 p.m. So, I mean, he, he's, he, he, but he's up at 4 o'clock in the morning. For, listen to me. Unless it's an emergency, don't bother trying to wake me up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't like to get, but he likes to get up. He likes to get up before everybody else does. He likes to spend, now, you know, it's not necessarily spending time in the God's Word or whatever, but he likes to spend some time uh, alone. He likes to spend time with, you know, having a cup of coffee and reading the paper and, and getting ready for work. You know, if you're a morning person, you ought to get up, take some time, get a, get a cup of coffee, sit down with the Word of God, read the Word of God, have some time to pray before you go to work. Do you know what a lot of us do? We get up, and we, I mean, we barely have time to shower. We barely have time to brush our teeth. We've got to get in the car. We've got to break 
every rule to the, of the road to get to work. I and mean, we've got to speed and we've got to run through stop signs and we've got to, I mean, we've got to do all these things. The other day I was coming up uh, Weisenbaker. You know, when you come up all the way up to the end of Weisenbaker, where it's spelled different. Anybody ever notice that? Yeah. And one end down by El Riel, it's spelled W-E-I. You get up on the other end, it's W-I-S-E-N. Like it's a different road. I mean, not whatever. But anyways, sidetracked, squirrel, you know. But I come up around that corner, and listen, if nothing's coming, I just kind of slow down and then just whoop and go up the hill. And well, it's illegal, by the way. And uh, I got stopped the other night, and uh, a cop pulled me over, and I said, man, what in the world? I mean, I'm not speeding. I was in the old clunker van, and I, you know, that thing can't go over 45, so good news, I wasn't speeding. And he pulled me over, and he said, uh, uh, I said, he said, you know why I stopped you? I love when they ask that question. I said, actually, I do not know why you stopped me. He said, you didn't come to a complete stop at the stop sign. And I wanted to say, are you kidding me? People shooting each other and, and tr- selling heroin, and you're stopping me because I didn't come to a complete stop, right? But we break all these rules. Why? Because we're in such a hurry because we've not prepared. We've, we've, we've not gotten ready. We've not taken the time. Preparation takes time. There's, there's no shortcut. There's no shortcut around it. Now, you can get in the, you can get in the car and you can, you can turn on a podcast, or you can get in the car and you can listen to the Word of God. I'm thankful for those. You can put uh, uh, earphones in when you get at work. All these different things that you could do to listen to God's Word. And, but let me tell you something. There's no cutting corners. To prepare your heart is going to take time and it's going to take purpose. But not only do we need to prepare our hearts, but then number two, we need to protect our hearts. We need to protect our hearts. There's a great book that Jerry Jenkins wrote. It's called Hedges. It's now called Loving loving Your Marriage Enough to Protect It. But it used used to be called Hedges. Old school, I mean old school book. And it's a great book, and it's really all about protecting your marriage and protecting your life. Henry Cloud wrote another book, it's called Boundaries. Same concept, same idea of putting hedges and putting protections up in your life. Because the devil is on a constant attack. I mean, our adversary, right? First uh, uh, Peter 5, 8, he's as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, the Bible says uh, that uh, we need to be careful of the wiles of the devil. Those, those fiery darts of the wicked. I mean, he's trying to ruin us and trying to destroy us. So what do we got to do? We've got we to put up some protection. And if you put up that protection, when it comes, you're probably not going to have time to get the protection in place. And so what do we need to do before it ever comes, before the adversary ever attacks, before an incident ever occurs, we need to put these protections up in our lives, these hedges, these boundaries around our hearts. Protect your heart. Verse number 11, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments 
of thy mouth. We need to protect the heart. We need to put on the whole armor of God. The importance of having a shield in battle. It's like going out in the elements. Right? If it's cold out in the elements, it's probably a good idea to put a jacket on. Why? A jacket protects you. Now here, you could probably go with short sleeves and shorts all year long. Now, some, some people think it's cold. It doesn't get cold. Okay? But there's some places, I'm here to tell you, it gets so cold that if you walk outside and take a bucket of water and throw the bucket of water, it freezes before it hits the ground. You talk about cold, that's cold. And if you're not protected, do you know there are places that if you're not, if you don't protect your skin, that you can get instant frostbite when you walk out into the weather? And so what do we need to do? We need to put on protection. We need to be careful. We need to be diligent when it comes to the protection of the heart. The heart is where it's all at, and we must protect it. At all costs. It's who we are. If the devil can get your heart, he's got you. If the flesh can overtake the heart, it's got you. It's got your whole being. It's got who you are. Scripture says a lot about the heart. Matthew 12 and verse 34, the Bible says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Proverbs 23 and 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he from the heart. Proverbs 4 and 23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it, out of what? Out of the heart are the issues of life. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on the one understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy paths. How can we protect the heart? How can we protect the heart? Verse number 11 says that we need to memorize God's word. If we're going to protect the heart, then we need to memorize God's word. God's word is our offensive weapon. It's our offensive weapon. It is the sword of the Spirit. And we need to memorize God's Word. So when temptation comes, when the devil attacks, when the flesh wants to be bitter, we have God's Word to protect us. He says in verse number 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. No, you devil comes along, you say, no, no, no. Do you know how, do you know how do you know how Jesus defeated the devil in temptation? He used the word of God. No, God has said. No, 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 God has said. And the flesh wants you to be angry. No, 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 God has said. And again, when the flesh wants you to be bitter, no, 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 the God has said. When the devil wants you to do something that you shouldn't do, no, 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 God's word has said. Let me tell you what God's word has said. You're not going to know what God's word says if you don't hide it in your heart. Memorize God's word, number two. Not only memorize God's word, but meditate on God's word. Meditate on God's word. Verse 15, I will meditate in thy precepts. You know what meditation is? Meditation is more than reading. There's reading, and that's important, obviously. But then meditation is like parking. It's like stopping. It's like that 
Hebrew transliterated word that you find at the end of many psalms, S-E-L-A-H, it's the word selah. You know what the word selah means? It means pause. It means, hold on, God's saying, I want you to, I want you to consider, I want you to think about what I just said. You know what that means? It means to meditate. I, I love in the New Testament when all the turmoil and all that was going on in the lives of the disciples and all that was going on in the life of Jesus and all the surroundings, the Bible says about Mary. Remember what the Bible says about Mary? We talk about it at Christmas time every time. Mary kept all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. You know what she did? She meditated. Right? Do you take time? Is there time in your life where you meditate? You know, sometimes I'll read, and I'll read a passage of Scripture, and I'll be reading that passage of scripture, maybe it's four, five, six verses. And I'll keep going down to that verse, and then that one verse, boom. Ever happened to you? God just reaches right out. And sometimes we need a good smacking, right? Sometimes we just need a tap on the shoulder. But sometimes, mm, yeah, God's saying, oh, hold on. You know, you know what, when you, when you get that verse, now not every verse is going to be like that. But when you get that verse, you ought to stop. You ought to pause. You ought to see love. You got to meditate on what God's trying to say to you, what God's trying to get across to you. Because I want you to know something about God. Something that's very important about God. God wants what's only best for your life. So when God says no, it's for a reason. Because God wants what's best for your life. The opposite, the devil only wants what's worst for your life. He only wants what's going to destroy your life or ruin your life. And sometimes uh, 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 the devil will get you upset about God saying no because you really deserve. Right? Because he's a liar. And the devil doesn't know the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end like God does. That's why it's the safest. Listen, the safest place for a Christian to be is in the center of God's will. Now, if the center of God's will is here in Rankin, Georgia, or if the center of God's will is, you know, across the sea in Israel, wherever God has you in the center of His will is the safest place for you in your life. Well, you've got to put protections up. You've got to be careful. I know so many of you are, are just, like, just like me, especially if you've been in the military, there are certain things that I do and I don't do. I just, it sometimes drives Wendy crazy. But when I go into a restaurant, I, my, my back's never facing the door. I always, I always want to be able to see. When I go in, do you ever do this? When you ever go into a building, you look around for the exits? Anybody ever do that? I'm a, I'm a, I'm just, maybe just me on OCD. But I'm always looking for the exits. Uh, they said... Uh, Phil uh, Robertson from um, Duck Dynasty was doing a podcast. And uh, he was talking about uh, this group of people. A whole group of van, uh, a whole group of men in a van were out looking for him. And um, he said, well, if you know anything about Duck Dynasty and you know anything about the Robertsons, they live on like a large parcel of land in Monroe, Louisiana. And, um, and he said, well... He said, the only reason you'd be back here is because you got invited. Otherwise, 
and he pulled his shotgun a little bit closer to him, he said, come and see. He said, come and see. We need to, be, we need to, we need to have protection in our lives, right? We need to have protection around our own hearts. We need to have protection around our own life. We have to have protection around our own families. Put up boundaries. Put up barriers in your life so that you don't fall for temptation, so you don't fall to the devil, so you don't fall to this world, and so you don't fall into the flesh. Memorize God's Word and meditate on God's Word. If you'll memorize and meditate God's Word, it will be a protection for you in your life. Take heed unto his word by preparing your heart by protecting your heart and then number three by proving your heart by proving your heart look with me in verse 13 of psalm 119 with my lips have i declared all the judgments of my of thy mouth i have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as is in all riches i will meditate in thy precepts and have respect Unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statues. I will not forget thy word by proving the heart. We need to approve the heart. How do I know that my heart is ready? How do you know that your heart is ready? Before you ever go into battle, how do you know that your heart is ready? Before you ever face that temptation, how do you know that your heart is ready? Number one, how can I know my heart is ready? Are you proclaiming the word of God? Are you proclaiming the word of God with my lips? This idea that Christianity is a private thing is contrary to the word of God. The Bible says that we should be publicly declaring the things that we've learned and that we know and that what God has done in our lives. That's why the Bible says that we, get, we ought to get up on the roof and shout it from the housetops. That's why God says don't hide your witness. Don't hide your flame. Don't hide your candle under a, a, a bushel. Let it shine so others might be able to see. We need to be proclaiming the Word of God. We ought to be sharing the Word of God. Number one, with your lips. Number two, with your legs. Get out there. You know you ought to put feet to the things that you believe? What good are they if they don't change your life? What good are they if you don't back it up with a life lived? We need to proclaim the word of God with our lips, with our legs, and with our life. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter number 2. If we're not proclaiming the word of God, if we're not proclaiming God's word to a lost and dying world, what in the world are we here for? 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2. In the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. We ought to be taking the things that we've learned and passing them on from generation to generation to generation. <coughs> Before you give this generation a hard time, let me tell you whose fault this generation is. By and far, the generation before. What have we passed on? 
What if we shared? What if we told them this is what makes a difference in our lives? This is what changes our lives. This is what God is well pleased with. Manners, morals, all these things have gone out the, gone out the window. They've gone down the drain. It's like we have, we, have, we have thrown them in the sink and turned on the water and washed them down the drain. Are people to be polite anymore? Please. People are all, you know, we talk about it, and I, I, I mean, I rag all the time. I, I, these, these, these people that are in customer service that probably shouldn't be in customer service, and they don't know how to deal with people. But you know what they have to deal with every day? People. And people are ugly. I mean, people are ugly. They go in with the intentions of being ugly. They go in with the intentions of just blasting whoever it is or uh, a, a waitress or uh, a, a customer service uh, uh, agent in a, in a store. And it's absolutely unbelievable that Christians are part of that. We should have no part of that. Our lips should be betraying. We went, we went, uh, we took, um, um, whoever we took, whoever went with us, uh, and went to, um, uh, what's that place called? It's Texas Roadhouse. And um, sat down, we had, a, we had a great meal. We were sitting around talking, but I'm telling you right now, we were in there forever. I mean, forever. And they brought out, you know, the, it's not called the blooming onion. That's that's the other place, but it's like the cactus or whatever it is. And they brought that out. And she said, "Would you like ranch or spicy ranch?" I said, "Ooh, I didn't know you had spicy ranch." I said, "Can you bring one of each out because nobody else is going to want the spicy ranch, but I'll eat the spicy ranch. I would love that." And she said, "Oh, sure, sure." So they bring it out, bring an appetizer out with the ranch. And so she was taking our order at this time. I said. Um, is that the ranch or the spicy ranch? So, no, 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 that's the ranch. I'll bring you the spicy ranch. I got the spicy ranch as we were eating the last onion. It's like, what am I supposed to do with the spicy ranch now? I mean, pour it on my rice? I mean, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, this is what I wanted to say. But I said, oh, she said, oh, here's your, here's your, here's your spicy. So, she was so excited. They were so packed in there and they were so busy. She was so excited that she actually brought it to me. And I had, didn't have the... I didn't have the wherewithal to tell her, ma'am, you're taking the plate with the onions on it. To... You ever get aggravated? It's easy to do, by the way. But you know, as a Christian, you should never lash out. Now, I'm not saying you should never speak up because there's a time to speak up, right? There's a time to try to help, try to make a difference, but to lash out? What's wrong with you? Are you stupid? You think to yourself, oh, I can't believe. I'm telling you, they hear it every single day from people that call themselves Christians and, and, and yell at the poor person and, and give the person, you know what, I'll tell you right now, you are so bad, I'm going to leave you a 50-cent tab. God bless you, you ought to be smacked. I'm just telling you, you ought to be smacked. In Jesus' name, you ought to be smacked. I, listen, I, I have, I, I, the worst service I've ever got, I gave 10%. Let me tell you something. My eyes were popping out of my head and steam was coming out of my ears. I was so, matter of fact, I spoke with the manager and I still gave 10%. No, we, we represent Jesus Christ. 
And we're not doing a really good job. And we certainly haven't done a good job passing that on to the next generation. You know, it's amazing to me, most churches, I'm telling you, it's amazing to me that most churches want to have children in their church, but then they don't want to see the children. They don't want to hear the children. The children are out playing, and boy, let me tell you something. They are out, outside, and, and one of them left something out there, and I almost tripped over these, these children. I want young people. We want, we want young couples. Guess what comes with young couples? Children. I want these young couples in our church. I want these children in our church. I want these babies in the church. I want somebody else to do the nursery. I want somebody else to do the children's church. All I want to do is sit back and complain. And these kids are thinking to themselves, and by the way, they grow up and they become teenagers, and do you think they're dumb? They're not. By the way, kids and teenagers see more than adults do. Adults are blind. Kids see everything. And they see who we really are. I mean, they see the complaining, and they see, and they say, this is what they think to themselves. Man, those old people, and by the way, old people are anybody over 30. Somebody said the other day, we were talking, and, 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 and Luke said, older people, I said, what, what do you think is older? And I said, you better watch your tongue, boy. I won't tell you what age it was older than me, so I'm thankful for that. But, you know, it's perspective, right, how we think about it. And they're thinking to all this stuff, you know what? Nobody, nobody cares if I come to church. Nobody cares. When's the last time you, you just, you just uh, uh, loved on a kid? Or the last time you just said, hey, I'm so glad that you're here. Or, or, or went down there and, and, and when's the last time? How many of us in here, now we're in Sunday night, I get it. But how many of us in here could actually go down to the children's church? How many of us could tell who does the children's church right now? Know what we do? I don't care. It's not me. <laughs> I don't have to do it. Just as long as it's getting done. I'm telling you, people notice that, and it's destroying and hurting the next generations. They don't want anything to do with church. They don't want anything to do with church, people. When there are people in their life that are outside of church that are kinder to them than church people, We missed something, did we not? I mean, did we mess something up? Absolutely we have. We got to be careful that with our lips, we're proclaiming with our legs. We're proclaiming with our life. We're proclaiming, hey, listen, there's nothing more glorious than being a Christian. There's nothing greater than going to church. Why in the world do you think your kid's going to grow up? And want to go to church when you complained the entire way from your house to the church. And then you went to church and you went to lunch and at lunch you had roasted preacher. And you talked about so-and-so and you talked about so-and-so. And did you hear that Sunday school teacher? Man, I'm telling you what, he, I, you know, he has no idea what he's doing. I mean, she has no idea what she's talking about. And we talk and talk. And you know what our kids are doing? Listening and listening and listening. Stop blaming everything on this generation. I mean, this generation, how are they going to hear without a preacher? How are they going to know unless they're taught? To, you know why they don't have manners? Because they aren't taught to have manners. 
You know why they don't have morals? Because they don't have taught to have morals. The things that go on today that are accepted are absolutely mind-boggling. Do you know it's almost, a, and I digress, but I'm going, I'm going to continue to digress here for a second. Do you know how many people today, in not only in the world but in churches, feel like here's the steps. This is the steps to marriage. You start dating. You get engaged. You live together for a while. And then you get married. Oh, well, and then you get divorced because that's part of it too now. But you do all these things and you think this is, this is the normal way to do it. And if you don't do it this way, you're a freak. Something's wrong with you. And it's become more acceptable in the church. Preacher gets up and preaches on sin and they think to themselves, wait a minute. I'm here to tell you, I don't care if it's 2023 I don't care if it's 1972. I don't care if it's 2050. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. It's not changed. The Bible doesn't change. But our times change, and guess what? It becomes more acceptable. And when it becomes more acceptable, I'll tell you something, we find ourselves morally bankrupt in our society. And unfortunately, our society is affecting our churches. Are you proclaiming the word? Number two, are you prioritizing the word? Are you prioritizing the word? Is the word of God important to you? Now listen, most of us will stand up and say, Bridget, that's a dumb question. Of course the word of God is important to us. But do you prioritize it in your life? Here's the unfortunate part. Everything else takes precedent over the word of God. You know how I know? Because we put it last on our list. It's like church or prayer or any other spiritual thing. I mean, we do everything else, and if we have time, we open up the Word of God. We do everything else, and if we have time, we pray. Have you ever spent your day so intensely that at the end of the day you went to pray and you fell asleep? I'm telling you, I've, I've done it. And, and, and woke up and felt to myself, I just felt ashamed that I fell asleep. Kind of, I was thinking like, like you know, Peter, was, when they fell asleep and Jesus went to pray in the garden and, and they fell asleep, they were supposed to be keeping watch and they fell asleep because they were so tired because they're so busy doing other things. And listen to me, if you're too busy to pray, if you're too busy to read God's word, if you're too busy to go to church, you're too busy. You're too busy about the wrong things. You need, to, you need to reprioritize your life. To say yes to spiritual things, you have to say no to some other things. And sometimes those things aren't bad. Just sometimes you, you have to say no to them. You know, I learned this years ago. I love to read, and I'll get caught up in a book. And I'll read a book, and I could read a book pretty fast, and I'll read a book in one sitting. And then I'll find out to myself, okay, I read this book, and I'm up all night, and guess what? I went all day today, and I never even cracked open the Word of God. But I read this book on World War II, or this book on the Civil War, or the book on Revolutionary War. I read this book on, you know, uh, how to build a ministry, or I read a book on whatever it was, and never one time 
Did I crack open the Word of God? And sometimes i got to say, no, that's not, reading's not a bad thing. By the way, a lot of people don't even do it anymore. It's not a bad thing to read. But I'm telling you something, it becomes bad if it's prioritized over reading the Word of God. If TV is prioritized over prayer, if whatever is prioritized over the things that should be important in our lives. So what we need from time to time is a refocus. You ever, you ever just refocus? You ever just stop and say, okay, wait a minute. You realize, you catch yourself that you're so busy. I mean, you're just flying by things and you, you, you don't even see them. Do you know how many, I don't, I don't know how many times people tell me, Man, I drove right by you on 21. I honked my horn. I did everything, and you, did, you didn't even pay attention to me. You, you, guarantee you I'm not going to pay attention to you. Why? I, I mean, I, I'm focused on getting where I need to go, or I'm listening to something on a, and I'm just not. Listen, there are too many dipsticks out there for me to be paying attention. I mean, I pay attention to what they're doing driving-wise, uh, but you know how I do that? By looking at their tires. So I'm just making sure they're not getting in my lane or making sure they're not doing something dumb. But to look over and see somebody and, oh, hey, that's not me. I'm going to be focused on what matters. And you know what? Sometimes we get so, if you wear glasses, you know what I'm talking about. You take your glasses off and everything gets a little bit blurry. Man, you just, you're going so fast in life that things become blurry. Your family becomes blurry. Your, your, your marriage becomes blurry. Your relationship with your kids becomes blurry. Your relationship with your church becomes blurry. Your spiritual things become blurry. So what do we need to do? We need to put the brakes on, and we need to refocus. When you, if you need glasses, like I do, and you can't see far away without your glasses on, I can drive. You don't want me to, but I can drive without my glasses. I can't see the sign. I know it says stop because I know the color of the sign and I know the shape of the sign. But otherwise, I'll be about here, about right now to Miss Brad that I can see the sign. Well, it's a little on the late side when you're doing 60 miles an hour, right? And so what do I need? I need my glasses on so that I can focus, so that I can pay attention. Anybody in here ADHD? Yeah, don't bother. I Don't even bother lying. I know some of you are ADHD. I mean, it's just hard to concentrate, right? It's hard to focus on what you're doing. It's hard to, and you know what we need to do? We just need to stop. We need to figure out. Uh, there are some things that are more important than others, uh, so prioritize your time. Prioritize your energy uh, for the Lord. So are you prioritizing the Word? Matthew 6 and 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added Unto you. One preacher said this before. Uh, I heard years ago said this uh, uh, No Bible, no breakfast. No Bible, no breakfast. Who's he talking about? He's talking about get up. And the things that are important, yeah, you got to eat, but let me let, you, you got to spend time in God's Word as well. Are you prioritizing the Word? And then lastly, are you taking pleasure in the Word? Are you taking pleasure in the Word? Do you get excited about coming to church? Do you get excited about the opportunity to pray? Do you get excited about the opportunity to read God's Word, or is it a drudgery to you? That's when we have to pause. That's when we have to stop. It's when it becomes a drudgery. 
when we get up in the mornings on Sunday and say, man, do I really have to go to church? I mean, do I really have to read my Bible? Today, I just, I'm not talking about a, like a, you're, you're in a bad mood today. I'm, I'm talking about when this becomes a habit in your life, you're in the danger zone. We need to, we need to take pleasure in his promises. We need to take pleasure in his precepts. We need to take pre- pleasure in his purposes. The things that God does in our life, we got to take pleasure in. we got to have joy. we got to have gladness. It's been, a, it's been a good day to be in the house of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's not just Sunday, by the way. Every day is the day that the Lord has made. The things that God has done in our lives, we need to wake up to the fact that God has been so good to us. And we ought to take pleasure in the things of God. They shouldn't become a drudgery. They shouldn't just become something that we do because we have to or that we're afraid somebody might talk about us if we don't do it. We ought to do it because we take pleasure in doing those things. And when we do that, listen, we protect our hearts and we prioritize the things in our lives and we proclaim God's word. We take pleasure. Yet, listen, when we get time to go to church, we don't have to go to church. We get to go to church. We don't have to read the Bible. We get to read the Bible. Do you remember back in the day, probably most of us in here, there's a few in here that won't, don't, won't understand this, but you remember back in the day when you wanted to, you wanted to talk to somebody and you wrote your, wrote your fiancé or you wrote your girlfriend or your boyfriend a, a letter? Remember letters? People have no idea how to write anymore. I mean, they have absolutely no idea how to write anymore. And let me tell you something. Texting and social media has destroyed the brains of people. Everything's abbreviated. Half the time I have to ask my kids, what does, you know, D-F-C-T-L-M-V stand for? And they say, and they tell me what it is. I'm like, why not just say that? Why do you have to go, because it's too long to, you remember those letters? I still have letters. I still have letters that Wendy wrote me when I was in the Navy. And they'd have mail call and the helicopter would come, we'd be out to sea, and they'd drop those letters off. You can't even imagine how excited I was to get a letter. A lot of people didn't get any. They didn't get anything from home. They didn't get anything from a spouse. They didn't get anything from a girlfriend. And I got that letter. Let me tell you something. I read Some of my letters are like falling to pieces because I get it out and read it until I got a next letter. Then I'd put that letter away, and I'd get out the next one, and it's a new letter. And boy, I'd read it over and over and over again. You know why? Because it was from my sweetheart. It was from the one that I loved and from the one that loved me. And that letter was important to me. And listen, God's word is a love letter to us. And boy, we should be reading it. We should be reveling in it. We should be glad in it. We should have joy over it, that God would love me, me, Joe Springer, that God would love me, that God would say this, that God would do this, that God continue. That's why I always encourage people, make a journal. Make a journal of the things that God has done, the answers to prayer, the promises that God has come through with, and just see what God has done. And when we see what God has done, let me tell you something. It's going to make all the difference in your life. And when it makes the difference in your life, it makes a difference in the 
and the lives of the people that are around you. And it makes a difference to the next generation. And then that generation can take God's word and take what's proclaimed and pass it on to the next generation and to the next generation and to the next generation. Heavenly Father, we love you. We do thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. I pray that you'd help us to proclaim it, to prioritize it, to take pleasure in it. I pray that you'd help us to be who you need us to be and who you've called us to be. We're living in dark days, definitely living in the last times. And I pray that you help us to be sober and be vigilant to, because our adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Change us. May just make you give us a good week this week and help us to see the opportunities that you've set before us. Dismiss us with your blessing and give us a great week. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Good to see you. See you Wednesday night.